settling into a simple presence right now by noticing where your attention is, where your awareness is in this moment. Might be the experience of hearing the sound of my voice, tension at the air door, feeling of the body sitting, body sitting, knowing that, earth sitting on earth. Awareness of the hands touching, perhaps. Warmth, coolness. Pressure, touching, tingling. It's life unfolding and we know it through these senses. Connecting with a place to anchor the attention. A point of departure, a place we can return to. A place to begin again. Body sitting, hands touching. Within that, the experience of the breath as it enters and leaves the body. Movement of the abdomen. In, out, rising, falling, expanding, contracting. Awareness of hearing as an anchor. Sounds arise and they're known. It's this open, relaxed, receptive quality. Contact at the ear door, sound arising. The knowing happens by itself, hearing. We have this mental factor, mindfulness, brings us to the experience. allows us to know it just as it is, rubbing right up against it, tasting, feeling it, just like this.
not a thinking about, not a controlling. Simple presence and clarity. So we use an anchor to begin, to come back to, to stabilize the attention, not gripping it, not forcing the attention to stay there. to collect the attention and then other objects, other experiences arise. We don't go looking for them, but something may call the attention. Perhaps a sound. You may become aware of thinking. Perhaps we wake up out of a fantasy or a memory. We can name that thinking, remembering, planning. There's a whisper in the mind. It's already going. It's already passing away. may become aware of a mood in the mind. It's always good to look and see at the beginning of a period of meditation, what's the mood? Is there a mood in the mind? It's like a filter, a lens that colors our perception of life. It can be quite subtle. Maybe in a mood of interest or curiosity or anxiety, unease. May not be any obvious mood. It's not that there's always something there, but it's good to know where we're starting. Not because we have to change or fix anything. It's just another part of experience, another object we can know. Maybe a strong emotion that arises in our experience, sadness or grief or joy. deep calm. We can know these things just as they are.
It's part of life. We're open to our life. It's just our life. We bring mindfulness to that flow. Returning to the anchor when nothing is calling the attention or when we need to begin again, recollect our awareness with a more stable, easeful object. Oh, okay. I'm meditating. You rest the attention. With the anchor, this receptive, restful, relaxed, soft readiness, this active presence. Experience unfolding, life flowing. That's just doing itself, isn't it? knowing arising in regard to that, the knowing happening by itself. You don't have to do that either. We just meet the experience. Awareness, mindfulness, meeting the moment. receiving the moment, just as it is. Using the soft mental label, if it's helpful to connect us, rising, falling, hearing, touching, thinking. Just the lightest whisper in the mind, if it helps us to connect. So there's nothing we have to really do, nothing we have to get or get rid of. There's no one we have to be. Life unfolding. We simply know that, meet that flow. just like this.
one of the <clears throat> really um, gifts of a retreat, coming to a place like this and having time to practice through the day, is that we have the chance to make the whole day the field of our exploration, the field of practice. It's much easier in a place like this. We're not so busy. We only have our job once a day and it doesn't last too long. And so we have this chance to uh, have a more, uh, you could say a seamless flow of attention through the day. And so we have kind of four main postures for practice. We have sitting, standing, walking, and lying down. They're all, they're all talked about as uh, ways that we can practice in any one of these postures. And we do them all. And at different times, one or the other may be more appropriate. Some are more challenging at times, but they're all postures we can practice in. They're spoken about. And I'll add a fifth posture, which is what I call in-betweenings. <laughs> right? We do a lot of that through the day, the non-formal times of practice. Right? All of the transition times, the times in between, the daily activity times. We have those times as well, and they make up quite a bit of the day, actually. And we can bring mindfulness into those arenas. And I've had teachers uh, who, um, you know, I'd go in ready. I want to report on my primary object, my anchor, and, and then my sitting practice. And they said, oh, yeah, okay, but what about when you're brushing your teeth? How about washing out your clothes? Or They'd want to know about those kinds of times. Where was their mindfulness then? And this isn't to... to you know, get you uptight about some kind of hypervigilance. That's not the point there. But we can bring a quality of, of care and attention to these in-between times. And a good way to do that is to bring mindfulness to the body, to uh, movements of the body. And we can pick one thing, for example, to highlight, like reaching. And let me be, uh, pay attention to reaching. If we look, we do almost nothing but reaching in between the times of formal practice. We're always reaching for our shoes, reaching for a cup, reaching for a tea bag, reaching for the door. And you know, there are stories in, in these uh, enlightenment poems you read. So a lot of stories where Someone, you know, it's just when they're reaching to put the light out that they wake up, that there's enlightenment in that moment. We could wake up reaching to flush the toilet, turn out the light, get a cup of tea. These are not um, in between times that we just, you know, they don't matter or they're somehow it's a lesser part of the day. You know, just someone just pouring out the, the water they were using to bathe their feet. And that was the time, just in the transition from standing to lying down. So um, we can make these times part of the day by noticing 
simple things. Using the body is a great way. We can be aware of walking around, of moving and touching. We do, that's what reaching is, isn't it? There's moving and then there's touching. So it can be light and easy. It's not a thing to, uh, you know, as I said, it's not a kind of hypervigilance or, or a tightness around how we go through the day. But just a simple quality of attention there. And using the physicality of the body, I have found, is really a great um, place to, to kind of anchor the attention in those in-between times. And you know, the formal times kind of take care of themselves because we know we're there to meditate. You know, that's the point of those times. So when I'm on retreat, I pay, I like to see how mindful I am at the other times. I look more at that. So I offer that uh, possibility to you uh, for your time here and uh, are there any questions now about your practice? About yeah. Mm-hmm. Yesterday in the group interview, Michelle mentioned mindfulness and metta as protections for the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience is of an increased vulnerability mm-hmm. as I, as mindfulness is more uh, present. Mm-hmm. So, I would really like it to be, mm-hmm. as Michelle said, that there was more protection. Yeah. Not, not my experience. Yeah, yeah. So the comment and the question was a comment that um, Michelle had mentioned that mindfulness and metta are actually um, a protection for for our heart, for our mind. That we can, that they actually are the best protection. But in her experience, she finds that when she's more mindful, when she's more uh, connected with the quality of care of kindness, that there's more vulnerability there. And it doesn't feel as safe, as protected. And wondering, it seems like there's a paradox there. How does that work? You know, ultimately, our ability to be present with things just as they are and to find a quality of care, of kindness in relationship to that is the best protection. Because um, there's a quality where we're we're in alignment with the truth of things. And there is a great protection in that. And just, we can't just sort of decide that that's true or something or take that idea on and then it's real and it works that way because they do open us up and there is greater vulnerability. But we can can be safe and vulnerable, which seems, okay, no. can't bring those together sometimes. But it is a real possibility. And, um, but we can't just decide it's going to be that way. We have to go with what's real and true for us at, at any time, right? In the moment, it doesn't feel that way. And so then we have to be careful and gentle in how we um, hold that. We can't 
make it be that way. If our experience is not that, then we find um, ways that we can feel safe. And, you know, it can be simple things. Maybe letting the attention really rest, say, in the, in the feet touching the earth or in the hands touching, and there's safety there. There still is mindfulness there, and there can still be a quality of uh, real care and love there. Just our willingness to be with that, there's inherently a quality of caring for the moment that's there, and we can touch that. And, and so we have to be careful how we open up in this way, because um, the vulnerability can be there and, and the feeling of safety doesn't necessarily automatically and always come right along with it. Um, but um, they do come together. And then we have to work slowly at that. And I'd, I'd like to see if, uh, well, Michelle, since she made the comment, and if anyone else uh, has something to say. Um, the vulnerability is always there, so mindfulness isn't making us more vulnerable, or metta isn't making us more vulnerable. The um, dukkha, the one of the truths of existence, dukkha, is that we're vulnerable. Uh, so the reason we meditate is to be able to um, learn how to not react with aversion to the vulnerability uh, or to so so that what vulnerability means is that we're born into a world of changing pleasant unpleasant neutral that there's a stream of change of pleasant of of joy and sorrow pleasure pain gain and loss that this is the way of the world and so that vulnerability is that uncontrollability that, you know, there are some things that we can shift, but there are many things in life that we can't. Pain will arise, knee pain will arise, body pain will arise, mental pain will arise, emotional pain, right? You know, it's like inwardly or outwardly. So when we think mindfulness isn't working or metta isn't working, it's really that the aversion or the attachment is in control of us. When we think something's driving us crazy, it's not the outer thing, it's the inward thing, the aversion to the pain or the attachment to the pleasure, and that's just the way it is. So, you know, when we're having difficulty, it's, it's more that we're not able to make the connection with what's really happening. So if aversion's happening and we can't be mindful of it, it isn't mindfulness's fault, right? <laughs> You know, but we like to think that because, you know, it's so humbling. (laughs) So if we, but it's really being able to be honest when we can't be with something. It's really important to try to find something stronger to try to be with because it's okay we can't be with stuff. You know, that's, you know, we, it's, uh, we face the limit and then we try to do metta and if we can't, you open your eyes, you try to stand up, you know, you go out and walk and kind of recover. And one time I was teaching in uh, my, one of my first retreats teaching uh, in New Zealand. It, we were at this very remote Gampa, a Tibetan little teeny tiny building in northern, northern New Zealand. It was really remote. Um, and uh, the first day of that retreat, uh, a 
apparently there was a place right next to this place that um, everyone in New Zealand would bring their cattle, the baby cattle, you know, once they had separated from the mothers, mother cows. This was thousands and thousands of baby cows crying and crying. No, and the, mo- the mother cows were wailing, and this was our whole retreat. <laughs> the whole retreat, you just had to listen to this agony of thousands of baby cows being separated from the mothers. It was so intense, you know, and it's like, this was it. We had to just keep saying, just notice hearing. (laughs) And it was just, you know, and notice anything going on, you know, and just people got really deep really quickly because it was so intense, you know. And uh, so, you know, when I, my first retreat, there was um, three people around me, um, coughing and sneezing. They had the flu. And I went into my teacher and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I can't. I don't think I can do this. And he was like, this is it. You gotta just sit there and notice hearing, you know, notice any fear. Or, you know, and it was within a day or two, you know, I had to deal with it. You know, do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's not that it's easy. So this is uh, really the gifts, the gifts of the gifts of um, sometimes when things are difficult, it it allows us to go through what we need to go through more quickly to go deeper, you know. And it, it really is, you know, when something when we feel vulnerable, it's life. It isn't. It's just life. So, I, did you all hear his comment? Yeah. Did I have a no there? Okay. Um, he was speaking about times when maybe 
having a closed heart is a good idea, and specifically relating it to uh, a workplace in a situation there where it doesn't feel safe. There's a feeling of um, that, it, that it's, there's a vulnerability there, but it, it doesn't, um, that it's, it's draining, having to sort of, uh, in essence, be um, pretending, <laughs> putting on a false kind of front of okayness in the name of maybe professionalism or at least getting the job done, and that there's a sense of fatigue and drain in that circumstance. And uh, some comments about that kind of situation. And you know, workplaces can be, they can be really, you know, we have to do the, the job, do the needful, it's our livelihood. And sometimes they are um, places where it's not safe. Not everyone there is, you know, keeping the precepts, for example. <laughs> you know, some people are hell-bent on getting what they want at all costs. You know, it's, and they, that's, now they're holding the job, you know. I think that there's there's a thing about sort of setting boundaries of what what's what's okay um, that doesn't necessarily mean shutting down, closing our heart. Although we may have to we have to protect ourselves, and there are times when we. Um, Maybe it feels like, you know, it's not, it's a bit, something a bit fake there or a, a facade a look that we have to put on in order for a situation to uh, be at all workable. You know, maybe we can't be all just, you know, open and loving and sweetness and light and we get trampled. So it's a dance there to find out a way to do that, to do, to function in a situation that um, that challenges us in these ways, and to still not feel like we have to somehow completely shut down uh, our own truth, what's real. So we may have to set boundaries. We may have to find ways that we can um, operate there and still stay true. And then we have to do, someone yesterday was talking about work be gone. Um, we may have to do, use a work be gone um, cleansing <laughs> <laughs> periodically uh, where we, you know, we get it off. We get it off. Um, we need to find things like that, you know, detox <laughs> uh, methods. Take some, and we may have to find those in little increments through the day where we touch back into, okay, this is what's real for me. Just in a moment of, of coming back to, you know, our body, our breath, something really simple, you know, in times where we can find that in the day and then we may have to really uh, find ways to, you know, take a shower, wash it off. Um, Hmm. Anyone else? Any of you want to add anything to that? Um, okay, Jesse wants to add something.
yes, it's okay. You know, it's 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 not only okay, it's totally necessary and actually it's out of our control. Right? So there's something I think that can be important that you start to see here on retreat. It's like you think it's up to you whether the defenses go up or come down and it's just not true. You know, that your system knows when it needs to protect itself, right? And when it feels like it needs to protect itself, it puts up whatever, right? The sort of dullness, anger, externally or internally, wanting externally or internally, right? These things come up as a protection. And so much of the process is trusting, right? That our hearts, our minds are trying to protect themselves, our bodies. And though we have aspirations for a more liberated openness kind of all the time, uh, it wouldn't be wise, right? We do this for a reason, right? Our systems do this for a reason. And... um, So a lot of the process is just listening to that, right? Listening to when the heart contracts and trusting that that's what the heart thinks it needs, right? Because it doesn't feel like it can handle what's going on, the threat internally or externally. Letting it do that, bringing some kindness to ourselves when um, that feels really intense, you know? And then starting to see when we open up, this is exactly like the other question, right? It's like, yes, we're opening up to this deep vulnerability. Of course we're protected against that all the time, you know? So understanding, like Greg said, that this is a dance and um, we have to think about what situations we keep ourselves in, you know? If, if, if we're putting ourselves in a situation in which we're needing to be overly defended too much of the time, and it starts to sort of eat away at us, um, you know, yeah, I think there's good reason, good call to sort of make changes in our life, for sure. So we are out of time. Sorry for those of you. There will be other times, so... If the question is still relevant at another time, it will be able to be asked. Um, I do have a couple of announcements. Uh, please check the the board out here at least maybe once a day. Some of you maybe check it more than that. <laughs> Anything new to read up there? But uh, some of you avoid it like the plague, and it can be a little hard to... You know, it's a lot there. <laughs> but check, because sometimes there will be an announcement or there may be a note for you. Um, I know there's there's one, uh, there's a note for someone about a yogi job that I was told was up there. And so um, uh, please check it. There might be a note from one of us about, um, you know, if you've missed a group, we're going to want to check and see if, uh, how you're doing, you know, if we haven't seen you. And we may leave you a note even saying, you know, we, we want you to come to, to a, one of our, we may sign you up on a, one of our individual meetings. So check the board, please, um, at least once a day. And um, check it now, after this, when we go out. <laughs> um, 
there's a time change is one thing, and you, you probably noticed it, but um, two of the groups, that they all said 9.15, but two of them, mine and Michelle's, will be at 10.45 and not 9.15. So uh, notice that. Um, and then there are um, times posted for shower hours in the, in the dorm buildings. And uh, it's for a reason, you know, to try to keep the place quiet uh, in between those times. So please notice those times, because there are people who are practicing in their rooms, and uh, just for the overall um, quality of the retreat container, to please uh, <clears throat> pay attention to those shower hours and, and bathe during those times only. Is there any other announcements this morning? Oh, uh, around the retreat container also. Um, please come on time. If you're, if you're late, I mean, you know, a little bit, a minute, a few seconds. <laughs> We're not like, you know, there's different times, slightly different time zones here, but they're all pretty close. But uh, if you're running late, you know, there are, are alternative places you can practice. So please come on time. And please uh, stay till the end of the sittings, till the bell rings. Uh, and if you have to leave, because sometimes you do, you know, there's those times when I got to get out of here because <laughs> of uh, a real need, not just a mind state, but sometimes the body calls um, or in some emergency like that. So if you do leave, then please don't come back in. It's fine if you have to leave, but then uh, you can practice somewhere else in the room upstairs or do some walking meditation. Okay, thank you very much and uh, enjoy this day, this cool day.